0: a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your
1: podcasts.
2: Episode 149 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Some unity would be nice. Let's start the show.
1: We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity.
2: Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm Chris Hahn, your host, Thank you for liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling friends about this podcast as we continue to grow. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that. You know, you would think that in a time of national and international crisis, people would be able to sit through a state of the union without making a fool of themselves, without turning it into like a... I don't know, like a high school basketball game between two rivals from the same town. I, I am, you know, I don't think it's the biggest problem facing the world right now that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and a few others, uh, you know, couldn't sit through the State of the Union without being complete jackasses. I don't, I don't think that's the biggest problem facing the world right now. But, you know, when we are presenting a less than unified front to an aggressor like Putin. It really sends a signal to him that the United States can't get their act together. And I know it seems trivial to think about it, and it was trivial. But it really does matter to present this unified front to the world. And when the President of the United States is talking about how his son died in the army, perhaps from inhaling air that was contaminated by burn pits, and and Lauren Berbert needs feels the need to shout out at that moment. I I am I'm appalled. You should be appalled. We all should be appalled. And and these Trumpers running around pretending as if you know Donald Trump. If Donald Trump was in office, none of this would happen. Let let me explain something to you. And John Bolton said it. And and again, I don't like John Bolton. I don't like him at all. And I've met him many times, been on TV shows with him. Um, he had an opportunity to take Trump down during the first impeachment he didn't he didn't take that shot he saved it for his book it is appalling to me that he did that but that said john bolton said trump's plan in a second term was to leave nato just you know marinate on that for a second okay had we left nato what do you think the situation would be right now you think that we would be caring about ukraine how about poland latvia lithuania estonia Maldives do you think we'd be caring about any of those countries right now had we left NATO if Trump was president if Trump was president the Eastern Bloc would exist again the Iron Curtain would fall over Eastern Europe and that's what we would have Uh, it wouldn't be no. there wouldn't be a war no they would have went into a room and they would have divvied up the world. A three-way split. What zones of influence do you want? And let me tell you something. First of all, that would be bad for the world. But you think that this fool, Donald Trump, would have gotten anything for us in that deal? No, we would have been completely screwed. China would have expanded. Russia would have expanded. The United States' influence would have contracted. And it would have been a disaster for us. And it would have been a disaster for the world. Thank God, I thank God every day right now in this crisis that Joe Biden is president of the United States. Now, you know, look, I, I've said this before, I'll say it again, I'm, I'm watching this daily as we all are, we can't look away from it. And and I got a great guest tonight to discuss it, Olivia Troy, she's been on the show before, she's got a national security background, she knows what she's talking about, stick around for Olivia Troy. Um, I, I'm watching this and I'm I'm watching Ukraine being pummeled and I'm just thinking to myself, You know, Putin's going to look for any excuse to go into Poland, uh, especially since Poland is giving the Ukrainians, you know, support, both uh, uh, a place for the refugees to to come and, and a place for them to buy weapons and get weapons and maybe even stage their aircrafts. I guarantee you it is not going to be long, and it's really already happened, before Putin starts rattling his saber at Poland. And at the rest of NATO, I mean, the man has been threatening nuclear war. You know, if you give them bread, basically, he's threatening nuclear war, which is bizarre and almost means it makes it feel like it's a joke to me. But I don't know that I want to take it as anything less than absolutely deadly serious. But it's only a matter of time. And we're allowing Ukraine to be sacrificed to be for, you know, I, I mean, I'm not calling it appeasement. But it kind of looks like appeasement to me. And, and again, I, I, I've told you this before. I, I, While I am not a practicing Jew, I'm not Jewish, I wasn't raised Jewish, I am the grandson of Holocaust survivors, Jewish Holocaust survivors. And I grew up hearing the stories of the Holocaust. And I, was, I had a keen interest in World War II. And it seems to me that the world just didn't think They didn't really take Hitler seriously, right? Hitler was talking, uh, you know, that he wanted to establish this Third Reich over the entirety of Europe. He was saying it in the 30s. It's what he said. Vladimir Putin has been saying he wants to reestablish the Soviet Union. And I'm sorry, there are a lot of nations that are in the former, that were part of the former Soviet Union that are now democracies, that are now part of NATO, that are now part of the European Union. Are we going to allow Vladimir Putin to take a piece of the European Union? Are we going to allow Vladimir Putin to subjugate democracies? Is that what the United States is going to do? When does it end? Does he get Western Germany? I mean, Eastern Germany? Does he get Eastern Germany? Do we rebuild the Berlin Wall? Where does it end? Now, again, I don't want to put Americans in combat. But there may be no choice at some point. There may be no choice at some point. I, I, I don't believe that as a member of NATO, we can allow this man to attack another NATO country. And yes, we have that, you know, Ukraine's not part of NATO. We have that excuse for not going in there right now. We do not have that excuse for Poland. Poland. And I can very much see Putin and his army continuing to march. I could see him firing missiles at Polish air bases now because he feels that they're a threat based on the rhetoric he's been giving. And the minute he does that, what happens? What happens in this country? Do we change our tone? Oh, we won't go to war. We don't want to send our sons and daughters to die for Ukraine. Do we want to send our sons and daughters to die for NATO? And I think the answer to that is yes and i and it scares the hell out of me because you know, look look i'm a gen xer i grew up in the uh, you know i was I, I was born in the 70s grew up kind of in the late 70s early 80s went to college in the 90s when the wall came down so i lived through the end of the cold war and the beginning of the new era which is now over frankly the post cold war era I just remember being a kid, being worried about nuclear annihilation, assuming at some point in my youth that my life would end in a nuclear holocaust. And I don't want to see that. I don't think any of us want to see that. But I also don't want to see this man continuing to march across Europe, which I believe he will. So we have some very difficult decisions to make, and I thank God that I'm not the one who has to make them. Uh, I thank God that Donald Trump is not making those decisions because, quite frankly, he would have given them Eastern Europe already. He would have said, go ahead, go into Poland. Go into Eastern Germany if you want. I I guarantee it. I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. There are very difficult, difficult decisions to make. And Joe Biden is doing very well in making those decisions. He has united Western democracies in opposition to this man, put on ridiculously strict sanctions now that the Russian people will start to feel very soon. And I think it's time for us to put pressure on China. We trade with China. Uh, you know, I'm recording this show on a microphone probably made in China. It's time for China to decide. Do you want to sell us iPhones? Do you want to be a trading partner with us? Do you want to screen Hollywood films? Do you want to have the NBA come to you? Do you want to host the Olympics? Do you want to be part of the world community? Or do you want to be Putin's bitch? Figure it out, China. Figure out what you want to do. I would love to have China be rebuking Putin by the end of this week. Somebody send this uh, podcast. I know they probably get it in China, Well maybe it's it might be censored in China now. Uh, but it, it's time for the Chinese to step up and people are like oh chris you know how could you say let them step up uh yeah people tweeting at me that they don't like the chinese or tweeting at me at a phone made in china you know we have to think about this ourselves here in the united states of america do we want to condemn them every single day if so we need to stop buying things from them we need to end our addiction to the cheap goods they have been providing us for the last 30 freaking years in this country if not if not we've got to learn to live with some of their worst qualities. And I don't know which way to go. I mean, look, part of me says, screw them. Their their, their, their record on human rights is horrible. And we should just walk away from China. And, and I might tweet about that on my iPhone. So this is the, you know, this is the dilemma of China. It is a huge dilemma for the United States. But quite frankly, here's their moment. You want to stand up for at least a nation's ability to be self-determinative of its history, of its direction, of its government? Self-determination should be a principle that any sovereign nation could easily stand up for. So it's a layup for you, China. It's a layup for you. Come to the table, rebuke the Russians, and let's end this conflict. It's really going to take China stepping in to really do that. All right, so let's talk uh, to Olivia Troy, and then I'll be back to wrap it up. I got a great guest for you, Olivia Troy. If you haven't been watching, if you haven't seen her on TV, you haven't been watching TV. Uh, She has been all over the news. She is a former aide to Vice President Mike Pence who celebratedly left the Trump administration uh, early on in COVID. Olivia, how you doing?
0: Hey, Chris. Uh, Good to talk to you again. (laughs) Always good to be on your show. Um, You know, hanging in there, just watching the insanity of what was my lifelong party, and it just keeps getting worse
2: and worse. Uh, What do you make of this love affair that Republicans have had with Putin? I mean, some of them have backtracked in the last couple of days, thank God. But like when I watch people last week I lost my voice screaming about Mike Pompeo, a man who went to West Point, who should know better. Uh, you know, praising Vladimir Putin as he's about to invade a sovereign nation.
0: Yeah, it's horrid. Uh and you're right, he should know better. It's you know, it's it's also appalling that this is coming from someone that served as Secretary of State in a presidential administration, right? That's why it's even worse. Yeah, and, and, um, and CIA and who, CIA
2: director, so he should really know what's going on over there.
0: Yeah. And the worst part is, you know what? He gets it. I'm sure that, I mean, he knows better. He knows better, but he just does this as part of the shtick that they all do. And But yeah, you're right. I've never thought I'd see the day when there'd be a bunch of Republicans out there praising Russia. I mean, what happened to the party that was anti-Russia die hard, right? But I think, and you're right. I think they're facing backlash. And so you're seeing a lot of them walk it back because, Finally, you know, they were like, oh, maybe we took this a little bit too far. And I'm like, yeah, well, when you're rooting for a tyrant that's directly attacking a sovereign country, a democracy and is going is killing innocent civilians, innocent people who didn't ask for any of this. Right. I mean, they're, they're living their life one day and the next thing you know, he's just moving in. But I mean, it's it's really disturbing. And to see Trump continue. Kind of down that path. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't We're back talking about this, right? He,
2: he hasn't backtracked no. at all, right? I mean,
0: no, he's doubled down. I think, I think I saw that he was also rooting for the, you know, invasion of Taiwan. Man, I, this is he. He has all of these things in common with these narcissistic tyrants, right? So I think that he cheers them on because he knows no other way. Because he is
2: one. Yeah, I think he he's rooting for the invasion of Taiwan because. He sees that as a real affront to Joe Biden, right? Like, what is Joe Biden going to do there? We have to defend Taiwan. It would launch us into a a, a bitter conflict with China. I, I don't think China's going to do that. China's got to make up its mind. Do they want to be a tyrannical nation or do they want to sell us I, iPhones? I mean, they've got to make up their mind, in my opinion. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Right.
0: It's all about the Biden is weak narrative, that's what, you know,
2: Yeah. I I mean, that's that's the thing. And, you know, when I think about that narrative, it it drives me nutty. I mean, Biden, what is he supposed to do right now? I mean, he's done a pretty, pretty damn good job unifying our allies, something that would not have been done had Donald Trump been president right now. Donald Trump would not have unified our allies in the economic and other sanctions we placed on Russia right now. Now, I I don't think any president uh, would be stupid enough to get us into a, a shooting war with Russia, but I am getting concerned you know that we're sitting here watching these these people really just, just just pummel civilians in Ukraine, and what do we do about it? There's nothing we can do about it,
0: right? And it is disturbing, and they're breaking all sorts of international laws, and I mean, it's atrocious, and it's really the loss of life that we're going to see here, um, and that we're already seeing. Is just, um, it's awful and it's horrifying. And look, I mean, I don't even want to go down the narrative that Trump would have been different and that he would have, had, like he'd to tell people right now that this wouldn't happen under him. I mean, you were enabling Russia towards this moment when you were president of the country. So I, no, I mean, we're not forgetting that, especially those of us who were inside the walls of the White House. Right. You know, living the nightmare of all of that when it came to the Ukraine. And, you know, I was watching colleagues of mine get disparaged for telling the truth
2: about it. Yeah. I mean, look, this is a guy who held up military aid to Ukraine because he was encouraging the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, who is now a worldwide hero, uh, to dig up dirt on his political opponent two years before the politi- before the presidential election. Uh, you know, tell me it would have been different. No, I'll tell you how it would have been different. It would have been different because he would have just allowed Putin to take Ukraine. They would have divvied it up.
0: Yeah, I mean you're probably right. I mean, you know, this is a guy who withheld what almost four hundred million dollars of military aid to Ukraine. By the way, probably could have used that. Yeah. It could use they could have used that military backing right now, right? I mean, that that's where that would have gone. Um, so yeah, I mean it's just um it's well, atrocious and it is um it's horrifying to me that this guy remains such an influential figure in our domestic politics and he has a hold of the Republican Party. You know, I think there's There's sort of a shift happening there, but it's not soon enough and it's not big enough.
2: Well, it might be. Maybe it's big enough by 2024. It's not going to be big enough this year. But let me ask you this question. I mean, you have a national security background. You went to the National War College. You worked in the national security infrastructure of this country long before you worked in the White House. Um, What else could we be doing right now? that we're not doing? I mean, this is the thing that, that that keeps me up at night. I mean, just watching this devastation, listening to the stories of the people on the ground there, the the members of parliament that are reporting from their living room as the bombs are coming down in Ukraine, what else can we be doing?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a very tough needle to thread. Um, and I think, you know, I think the sanctions are good. I think, you know, I, I think I'm glad to see that they're more aggressive because I do think that they should have really been just targeting the oligarchs in the highest of the highest, because that's how, you know, that's, that's what it's going to kind of hurt because I'm sure that Putin is hearing from these people and they're like, Oh wait, uh, this, this highlight that we've been living in when we don't get impacted by anything going on is now we're starting to feel the heat on it. Yeah. One thing. But I also think, um, you know, so I think, so I think that should have been done sooner, <laughs> but uh, but I get it. You know, I think that, you know, I think Biden has been focused on building an international coalition. I think that's the right way. Like, this is for the first time, I feel like America is actually leading internationally instead of dividing, because we did that for several years under the Trump administration. Right. We you know, It's that whole America first tagline. But then we're going to divide us and we're going to weaken us in the terms of how the rest of the world sees us. I mean, we were an embarrassment. Oh, com- so I think that. Com- ha-
2: yeah. Complete embarrassment. I think that's one thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Complete embarrassment. And, you know, we, we watched the decline of our democracy status sort of go backwards, backslide because of the things that Donald Trump has done. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I hope I, you know, and I'm not saying that this isn't going on, but I think, uh, I think there needs to be a lot of support in terms of sharing of intelligence and helping the Ukrainians in terms of that aspect. Um, you know, quite frankly, I mean, this may be a bridge too far, but I mean, why isn't an international coalition gone in and taken out that convoy?
2: Yeah, I don't get I don't that know. either. I mean, I see that convoy slowly moving its way towards Kiev. And, you know, I, I keep asking, why haven't the Ukrainians? I mean, they have, you know, 200,000 members in their army. Uh, that seems like it would be something. You don't even have to take the whole thing out. You just have to kind of block the road and knock out a few of the trucks, and they'll they won't have any way to go. I, I yeah, don't understand. Disable it. Yeah, I don't understand. It seems like there's been some problems with that convoy because it's been stalled about 40 miles from Kiev for about you know three or four days now. But but you know it, eventually it's going to get moving again. And I don't understand you know what what is keeping? I mean, they've got some planes. They've got some troops. Go go attack it.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I, you know, and I've kind of actually been thinking about that in the last couple of days. And so I wonder if part of it is, it seems like, you know, you've, we're, we're seeing the reporting that a lot of the Russian soldiers are kind of like, wait a second. Yeah. What is actually happening? What am I a part of? Like, I didn't know that I was being sent into war to attack Ukraine. Like these are, these are friends. Yeah, I know yeah. people there.
2: Right? I, keep, I mean, I keep, that is heartbreaking. That is I, awful. Pe- people keep trying to say, well, it's like if America attacked Canada. I'm like, no, no, no. It's as if like New York attacked New Jersey. You know, there's a lot of, you know, cross pollination between Russia and Ukraine. A lot of people from uh, Ukraine that live in Moscow who are like worried about their families in Ukraine now. It, it is it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous invasion by a small minded dictator and how anybody in this country or any anyone in a free country anywhere in the world can be rooting for this guy to succeed is, is ridiculous. And how major corporations in America keep those people on television like Tucker Carlson drives me kind of crazy. Talking about that convoy and, you know, just one more point on it. I, mean, I I just see this this, it seems like they don't have great logistics going on in Russia. And once again, the world is watching what is supposed to be this great military power fumble in their responses here.
0: Which is amazing, because I think that um, what what Putin underestimated was the will of the people, even his own people who don't want to be doing this. Right. right? The people that are out there on the ground. And so sometimes I think about that convoy, and I think, well, maybe the strategy is that they're not really directly impacting it, because right now I feel like the Russian soldiers, I mean, they're doing this because they're told and they'll probably be killed if they don't follow orders. But they don't really have the will to fight, like from what we're seeing, right? So maybe it's the fact that you want to you want to keep that sort of sentiment of the why are we here? Why are we attacking innocent people? And the boss is crazy, right? We are unfortunately we live in a country where we have this insane guy. Um, I don't know. I mean, one of the things that I saw was you know when they had that soldier and, you know, I know there's a lot of disinformation, so I don't know if it's real or not, but it was, it was a touching sentiment to see when he surrendered, the Ukrainian people offered him tea.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Right. Because they were like, you know, come on in. We, we get it. Yeah. We get it. But it's just, and I think that's such a striking image to what it is to be like, you know, the average human being, you know, live person and compared to this insane, guy who is just wreaking havoc um, and just devastating
2: an innocent country. Let me pull on your defense, you know, knowledge to me. I mean, look, I am not an expert in military strategy, not by a, not by any stretch of the imagination. The closest I've ever come is like, I've won a couple of games of risk, right? But I look at a 40 mile long convoy on a single stretch of highway as something that would be completely vulnerable to even the smallest opposition. Uh, i I, do, I don't understand that at all like what makes them think that that's a good idea
0: yeah i you know again I, I i don't think that i think Putin underestimated what how this scenario was gonna like play out right and I really do think that i that that's what it is and I think he it has been held with resistance uh and I think that if things are not going to according to plan. I also don't think that he expected there to be such unity uh, in the international community um, against him. I mean, basically he's on his own now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Right? I mean, for the most part.
2: Yeah. Even China is kind of abstaining and suggesting peace right now, which is, which must be troubling for Putin because if, you know, I I feel like, you know, you know, call me crazy. I feel like we should be putting pressure on the Chinese to deal with this with us more pressure, maybe even sanctions. Maybe even we say, you know, we're not going to import anything from you for a while till you fix this.
0: You know, I think that's a lever that as this continues, I think that's something that they, I, I think the Biden administration should be looking at that and talking to the international community and saying, okay, do what's the first level that we can apply here to see if China can help us counter this madman. But, you know, I mean, um, yeah,
2: it's a it's a tough one. I mean, China is different from us, right? They are not a free country, but they're also similar to us. They've got a pretty somewhat capitalistic economy and they want to trade with us. They want to trade with Europe. They want to trade with the United States of America. They want to trade with Africa. All of these countries around the world are condemning this situation, yet we're still buying our products from China who, you know quite frankly, could be as influential as us in this situation, maybe even more so, because let's, let's call it their sphere of influence. They're, you know, they're on that side of the world. I mean, I, I China's in Asia. And even though Russia is predominantly a European country, the most of its land mass is in Asia, uh, you know, I, I think that there needs to be some sort of, you know, pressure put on them. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, Olivia. I mean, I, this is what I've been thinking all week. I'm like, call, you know, Joe Biden needs to get on the phone or get on a plane and go see, go, go see she and get this done.
0: Yeah, and you know uh, he's got Putin's ear. I mean, he they're they're kind of two peas in a pod. So I mean, and um, so I mean, there's something to be said for that. And I don't, I think they are seeing how this kind of plays out. But clearly, I mean, the convoy stuck, and things are not as easy as Putin expected. But I think that, um, but he's he's certainly not backing down, especially with the type of force that he's been using. Um, that is actually, you know, condemned yeah. um, by international regulations and norms.
2: You know, it's like a couple of cars get a flat tire at the front of that convoy and it's all screwed up. Like, I don't get 40 mile. I don't get how that's a good... I mean, again, I, I'm not a general. I didn't spend my years thinking about things, but I just know that it, if you take out the front couple of cars and make them block the road and you can't drive in the mud on the side of the road, you're kind of screwed. And it doesn't... I don't... Yeah. I mean, you know... <laughs> I mean, all they really got to do is, like, put some tax in the road, and they're, they're
0: good. I don't... Yeah. I don't what or are we? how about supply chain logistics, right? Low supply
2: chain, fuel. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they they forgot that, was, that yeah. they needed to gas up the cars at the front of the convoy, and now they're out of gas? Putting a button on this thing. Look, this president over there, Zelensky, he is the reincarnation of Churchill, in my opinion, and... The Americans during the beginning of World War II were very hesitant to get involved in saving him, and I, I understand our hesitance to get involved now, uh, based on the fact that it could start World War III and annihilate human, the human race if it if it escalates. And Putin is surely Perfect. Putin is surely threatening that. Um, I find it hard to believe that the people around him will let it get that bad. I mean, these guys are mad enough that they lost their yachts. You think they're going to want to be incinerated by a nuclear hell? I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't think so. And I'm I'm surprised, you know, I, I think the longer that this goes on, the more likely it is that one of those people are going to just, you know, tie Putin up and put him in a, you know, in a corner somewhere to no longer be president and try him the way they try people in Russia. Um but, you know, I mean, but here we are, right? We're watching this guy get pummeled. And we're watching that town get, you know, the the, the towns in and, and cities in Ukraine be destroyed by Russian air power and Russian artillery. And I just it reminds me of World War Two. And, and at some point, you know, as Churchill said, you could always count on the Americans to do the right thing after they've tried everything else. And do you think that we ever get to that point where we've tried everything else and we can't stop this and we've got to get in there or are we just going to let them run them over in the end?
0: I yeah, you know, I don't I, I don't know. That's a hard one, because I think. You know, then the other risk is like, does Putin start stop there, or does he just does he keep
2: going? I mean, appeasement Appeasement uh, never works. I mean, he'll be in Poland next week if he gets through Ukraine. He'll be in Latvia, Lithuania. You know, he'll have a reason for everything. I mean there there are there are Russian speaking people in Poland. There are Russian speaking people in Estonia. You know, all of the former satellite countries have Russian speakers in it, and that's what is his excuse to go in here. So. I don't know. I, I think it's uh I think it's a dangerous dangerous game we're playing if we go in there now, but I also think it's dangerous to appease the guy. So I I, yeah, I don't know. No, I think it is. Yeah, I don't I don't know where it ends. And and you know, I I'm, I'm generally a pacifist. I don't want to see war, but uh you know, when you have a, a a situation where um where the where the where the where the president of a foreign country is is just running roughshod over a, a pretty defenseless non-threatening country i I think as Americans we've we've got to do something that's just me
0: yeah I mean two things I mean one this is a really unstable individual yeah and his behavior is, is is showing that he is more unstable every day right and so he he is erratic and I think that's a very dangerous thing I mean like I'll, I'll back to the Trump administration, there's a reason that we were scared of the fact that this person was in the Oval Office. There's a reason that I, as a national security person, and many in the national security community were concerned about the danger he posed because you had no idea when he was going to, you know, wake up one day on the wrong side of the bed or whatever someone was going to get in his ear and he could launch us into a war. Yeah. So for a fact firsthand, that thank goodness there was actually uh, someone I know who told me firsthand that he was like, I talked him down. Otherwise, we were going to go or, go to war with this country. He was about to launch the missiles. And I sat there, you know, with my mouth wide open and shocked. But that day, I was like grateful that that person was there.
2: Yeah, with Iran. It. Right? I mean, yeah. Yeah.
0: That was it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know the situation so, you're talking about. I remember talking about it on TV. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It,
0: and we came close. I can't tell you even how close we came, but it was close. And oh. So I just hope that there's that general around Putin
2: being like, okay, this is getting out of control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's let's yeah. back off a little um, buddy. I mean, yeah. you know, I, don't, I hopefully there's somebody like that there, but God knows we hear he's very isolated. So, all right, let's change topics a little bit in a, in a little bit of time I have left with you because you are uh, a fantastic political analyst um, just watching the president's state of the union and, uh, and, and how it went. I mean, give me your, your overall impression of it first of all, off and then, you know the wacky behavior of conservatives, uh, particularly Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Bobart. I don't know what we we got to come up with a name for them. I call them the Karens of Congress. I don't know if that's good enough, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know we need something catchy for them. You know, give me your thoughts. No,
0: Eli, I actually thought that he did a great job on the State of the Union speech. I thought Biden. Um And, you know, and then, you know, obviously I lean, I I lean center right on things and I lean center left on things. I'm very moderate. And I think hearing him and the way he was talking, I was, it it brought me back to who he was when he was running. Mm. Um, And I, I, you know, and I, I, and I know that maybe more progressive sides may disagree and they wanted him to do more, but like, I mean, he did get, he got Republicans to stand at certain times, right? I mean, he it needed to be that moment. I kind of wish that he would have, that he would have, he would have uh, really emphasized the democracy narrative a little more, mm. where how that would have playing out with um, with horrible, uh, you know, dictator type of personalities that are encroaching on a free and sovereign country and neighboring country, and how democracy. We're watching this play out on the world stage, and what that means for our country. Domestically and why yeah. democracy matters. I think that that was a missed opportunity, in my opinion, to really tie that message. I, you know, I'm a, i am I like to think strategically. So I think it was a missed opportunity to tie that message together um, for the American people that were listening to that. But overall, I mean, and the deplorables,
2: yeah, the deplorable duo or, you know, the deplorable uh, duo. Yeah. I like that yeah. one. <laughs> The deplorable yeah. duos, but I mean, it is kind of. I mean, for Bo to scream out when he's talking about his dead son, uh, I mean, come on now.
0: Jacqueline, I, mean, I mean, it was sick. Yeah, How, I, and, and then just 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 disrespect. Can we? There's just such a lack of decorum. Uh, I mean, it it's not only disrespecting the office of the presidency, disrespecting Biden, disrespecting the fact that he's talking about his son, which he we know. How emotional of a topic that is, and yeah. how hard that is, and I don't judge him for talking about that because it's very real. It is, he lived it, and it. He, it's clear that he had such an affinity. He, I mean, he loved. He said, "That's just a grieving father." Yeah, uh, right. And grieving someone that served our country, and I just thought that was a complete slap in the face to every service member.
2: Yeah,
1: to
0: heckle him when he's talking about that, you're just disrespecting anyone who is really served our country. Oh, absolutely. And,
2: and, and, you know, and, and, but where is the outrage yeah. on the right, Olivia? This is what's driving me nuts. Could you imagine if a Democrat had butt in on a Republican oh, president oh. when he's talking about the military, even, even in less of a, uh, you know, uh, heart-strung kind of moment like the one we had with Biden? Uh, like
0: There would be a holistic censuring going on right now, just so you know. There would be, who knows what resolution would be being passed. I mean, it and, would
2: be, and, and Democrats would vote for, for it! it.
0: <laughs> Right. So it's just, yeah, I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, and then just also um, Marjorie Taylor Green, like, it, and turning their backs together. I mean, it was just, it, it was a circus act, right? And honestly, like, can't we just move past that? I mean, yeah. I'm so tired of just the lack of a policy platform for one of our national parties. And it's just really grievances, mudslinging, and you know and unfortunately these extremists because that's what they are, are somebody's funding them but yeah. that's the one thing that i can't wrap like well, why do they continue to fundraise like crazy who is funding them and why why do you want to fund these these circus acts that are actually embarrassing us on the world stage because you think that's not an embarrassing moment for the united states when the rest of the world's watching that and they're like look at these clowns yeah. Over there in the audience. I'll, I'll tell you who's, There's a really I'll, major crisis going on. Over I'll here, tell you right? who's
2: funding them. People who never tried really hard in their life who think they didn't get enough, right? The C students of the world who are upset that the guy who got A's that they picked on in high school is now very successful, right? Uh, that's who's funding them. The grievance community in America funds these two grievance you know, politicians. That's it. There's no other reason why- Anybody would ever give them money, other than they like the grievance.
0: Yeah. Well, I can tell you one thing. I mean, my my purpose right now is, I'll stay in this fight to to defeat these people and yeah. defeat this extremist far right right wing arm um, that is taking hold of the parties in in such a stronghold. Yeah. Right? I was just at the principles first summit, Liz, this last weekend, which was basically the counter to to the CPAC insanity going on there and it was just such a ju- juxtaposition because you know we there were there were you know Democrats in attendance saying what can we do to help because this is they get it yeah I mean, this is this is not good this is not good for our country to have this insanity where one party refuses to really actually govern and do their job
2: yeah it's insane well in the minute I have left with you and this has really gone too quick minute minute and a half or so. Uh tell me about, you know, are you, you know you are the executive director, I believe, of the Republican Accountability Project and how is things going over there?
0: I mean, things are good. I've actually um now um uh, I'm really involved with the Renew America movement, um, which is um we're really, you know, we're really playing in a space where we are really trying to support um the moderate Republicans, those that, you know, actually to stand and then we're supporting uh the moderate Democrats that the Trump machine is coming for,
1: right? Like the
0: Abigail burgers of the world, like we're really trying to trying to take a stand and support them because we know we know that this is ugly, that they are facing the vitriol, and you know we just want good people in office. And I mean, if you think about that, I mean, we're working cross partisan. That's why I'm involved. I mean, this is you have center right, you know, moderate Republicans, recovering Republicans, like myself, as I call myself. Mm that are are understand what's at stake here so we know that w- we can't do this in silos we've really got to come together and push back because that machine on the far right works they work together yeah they do in a coordinated fashion they
2: do they do they are a echo chamber of echo chambers and they they reach everybody in their orbit and they get outside their orbit it feels like I feel like everybody every year new people are tuning into that nonsense and it's horrible. Olivia Troy, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll get you back here again real soon. Thank you. All right, I hope you loved Olivia. She's, uh, she's great. She knows a lot about a lot. Somebody you should be following on, triv- triv- on Trivia. Yeah, Twitter is Trivia, but you should follow her there anywhere. She's Olivia Troy, at Olivia Troy on Twitter. Uh, you won't be sorry that you followed her. She's she's very smart. She's got a lot of interesting opinions. They're not always the same as mine, uh, but she's a true patriot, and uh, we appreciate her for what she does. So, uh, you know, finally tonight, in closing, you know, I, I, I know I sound hawkish. I probably sounded hawkish at the beginning of the show. I, I'm truly not. I am not rooting for an expanded conflict with Russia. Uh, it would be... It would be a disaster for the world, and it could lead to the end of the world, frankly. And we all know that. And what I'm rooting for is the people of Russia uh, and the uh, the leadership of Russia to get wise and do whatever they need to do. Legally, I'm not rooting. I'm not Lindsey Graham. I'm not asking you to go kill Vladimir Putin. Not at all. But I think, like Donald Trump, Putin is not fit to lead anymore. And the actions he's making seem reckless to me, if not insane. Now, I was reminded a few weeks ago by a very good guest that, you know, this is not just Putin. This is Russia. Russia is with him. The Russian leadership is with him. So removing Putin may not be the panacea we all think it would be. So be careful what you wish for. You might get it. And it might be worse on the other side. I, you know, I tend to think that his nuclear talk is bluster more than anything else. But it has kept me up at night. I will tell you, I have had many thoughts of it. Uh, particularly like two weeks ago when it first was starting, two, two weekends ago. And I was driving into Manhattan to do my show on 77 WABC in New York, which is now syndicated. Maybe it's in a market near you. I uh, I was driving in and I, and I saw the skyline of New York City and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be a freaking a shame for this to be gone? I mean, wouldn't it be a shame? I mean, I, I wouldn't live to see it gone. I'd be gone too. I'm not far. I don't think I'm far enough from New York City to survive it, frankly. But wouldn't it be a shame for the world, for all these great cities we've built over the last couple hundred years in this world, to be gone? For society to be gone. For all the advances we've made to just be gone. And that's the risk here. And that's why this is so complicated. For Joe Biden, for the leadership of NATO, for the world. It is such a complex problem that, you know, with wrong moves, with mistakes, with misunderstanding and lack of communication between us and our adversary could lead to the end of civilization as we know it. So, I, you know, look, I don't want to sound hawkish. I am not rooting for that at all. But I have a really hard time watching women and children being murdered. And that's what they were. I mean, Zelensky called it on Monday, called it murder, intentional homicide. By Russia for what? For nothing. There is no reason whatsoever. There is no real threat. There is nothing going on here that threatened Russia in any way, shape, or form. This is someone trying to rebuild an empire. Russia's got enough problems of its own without having Ukraine's problems. And Russia's a pretty big place. They don't need any more land. It is, you know, it's hard to watch, and it's hard to sit back and feel powerless about it. And I think that's how we all feel in this. We're looking at this, and we just feel powerless. We can't look away. But I'm telling you right now, look away a little bit. Don't look away all day. Watch it every day. Know that it's happening. Feel the pain of those people and do what you can to support them, but be careful, okay? Cuz there's a lot of cheats out there. You know, these are the kind of uh, of of uh, of issues that lead to charities popping up that have no real command and control. So stick to trusted charities, truck trusted NGOs that are out there if you're going to donate. Don't get on a plane. I mean, look, I know Zelensky's calling for a foreign legion. He's trying to get people to go there and fight. I I don't recommend that. But do what you can. Keep it at the top of your mind. Don't forget about it. And tell your elected officials to be on top of it, to do everything we can to help Ukraine without leading us into a broader conflict. So um, with that, I want to remind you, as I always do, to seek the truth question everyone and everything, even me, but especially what you've seen on television about wars. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.